What's up, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of Talking Flock, episode 19, breaking down all things Forward Madison FC uh, and breaking down, unfortunately, another 1 1 draw uh, where you give another one up late at the end. Uh, and it seems like we're kind of talking about the same thing on a weekly basis here, Rob. Rob Chapel from Madison 365 joining yeah. as always. Uh, Rob, any. Uh, any adjectives come to mind to describe this? <laughs> uh, well, we, we can say we're breaking down another defensive breakdown. Um, Ooh, there you go. I like that. Uh, there were there were many adjectives in my post game interview with Carl Craig. <laughs> there uh, were. We, no, we oh wouldn't. We won't repeat on a family podcast, which no. sound just way better and funnier and cooler in a Newcastle accent. Uh, yes. Calamity was what, one of the words he used. That's not an adjective, but. <laughs> It's just quite descriptive of how he felt about that, giving up that goal at the end. That we uh, we'll we'll talk about how that went down, but um, yeah, yeah, it's it's rough. I mean, but at the same time, you know, it was it was an entertaining match. It was a good game. It was evenly matched sides, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's definitely again leaving two points on the table. Yeah, this one in particular feels like a loss. We will get to that in just a second. But first, got to remind you that if you have not subscribed to the podcast and your preferred platform, please do. Also, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you have an Apple device, um, that would that is huge for our placement on that platform. Also, if you want to interact with the pod, uh, follow us on Twitter, at Talk and Flock. Uh, a little bit later on, pretty cool interview Rob did with Josh Eastern, ESPN Plus, USL League One play-by-play announcer. We've kind of been talking all year long, Rob, how the play-by-play is sort of increased along with the quality of mm-hmm. play on the field. Um, yeah. The broadcasts, I feel, are a lot more uh, consumable uh, this year than maybe in years past. And uh, obviously, big ups to Josh and the team over at ESPN Plus and USL League One for uh, making that happen. So just kind of a little behind-the-scenes look on uh, on what a League One play-by-play broadcast is like. Very, very cool. Yeah, it was really fascinating to talk to him. It was really interesting. I think you'll uh, I think you'll like it. So that's coming up in a little bit. But first, we will recap the 1-1 draw against Greenville. Um, at home, Bree Stevens Field had uh, had Jim O'Hare in the uh, – you know, was that an autograph? <laughs> it was, it was, it was Parks, and Rec, Parks and Rec Night. Yep. So Fantastic. Very, very we'll, cool. we'll... Uh, Lil Sebastian was there as well. Or a, a yes, I saw that. I did not know he was going to be there, and then I saw that. I'm like, wow, that's actually awesome. Yes, it was very cool. It was very fun. The kids, the kids really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and they don't even know the backstory either. But that's okay. they have no idea. They're just like, oh, a little tiny little horse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is which is basically the backstory of Lil Sebastian. Everybody's just just for some reason attracted to this this tiny horse. Yeah. Uh, but anyways. Let's. Uh, I'm trying to find a good, a good, clever transition from Tiny Horse into this match, but uh, alas, it's 9 p.m. on a Sunday night and nothing's coming to mind. So let's no, just jump right into it. Um, I mean, it's it's like a Groundhog Day situation here, Rob. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. seriously like the same course of events happen. Yeah. There's some obviously it's not exact same carbon copy, but for the most part forward Madison always seems to get out hot, always seems to get out fast, always seems to get out on the front foot, um, asserting themselves early, get some great chances early on as well as they usually do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you get, uh, uh, you know, a a goal. It it wasn't the prettiest goal in the world. Won't make the uh, goal of the year uh, rankings in USL league one, but 
really uh really nice build-up play yep. um basically everybody from the midfield forward touched the ball in this scenario yeah um, well that's that's what makes it even though the finish wasn't a banger or anything like that but it it's a nice goal because of that what you just said it was a very good build-up all the way switched all the way from the right to the left um it goes through i think it was sirikowski who held it up on the right on the touchline and got it to Gebhardt, to Perez, to Tyler Allen, who we've talked about for the past couple of weeks, yep. um, who had been coming in as a super sub. Now this is his second straight start, which obviously he's earned. He's a lot of energy, a lot of pace. But he put in a, he took it all the way to the byline, put in a really strong cross to Gebhardt, because Derek Gebhardt is standing there all alone in the six-yard box. And mm-hmm. if the keeper, Paul Christensen, does not get a hand to this ball – Gebhardt's going to score it easily, yeah, right? Uh, but Christensen does get a hand to it, but spills it, and Jake Keegan just pounced on it and picked it up at the byline yeah. and um, looked like he just flung it across and Gebhardt t- tapped it in uh, yeah. sort of in real time. But, you know, Madison actually had a camera down on the on the end line. Great video from the Madison Great social video. Team. Yes, and they tweeted it, and from that angle, and go find it on their Twitter account because it's so good. Like you say, props to that, to their social media team, their video, their media team. Um, but you can see that Keegan actually tucked that ball in a really tight space. Like there's like four or five Greenville bodies right there, and he's got to get it between them and the touchline all the way to, all the way across to Gebhardt. And I think even if Derek didn't get a touch on it, I think it would have hit the inside of the far post and gone in anyway. But Derek did get his foot to it, uh, and it's in, and it's a goal, and it's a really good team goal, and um, it counts the same as a banger. So what the heck, you know? It was it was yeah. great, and it was exciting, and um, I missed it. I was in line for food. I was, oh, like, man. next in line. I was next in line, so I, like, turned around and started cheering. I'm like, oh, sorry, okay, I'll have a, a runny pizza. <laughs> 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 but it was uh, – but then, you know, seeing the video of it, it's, it was a fantastic team effort goal a really good build-up play you put balls in dangerous places good things happen I initially i thought it was keegan who scored i didn't see the tap in from from gebhardt on the on they, the other end i mean there, there was chaos there were a lot of bodies in front of net yeah. so like the initial um you know vantage point of the mm-hmm. camera on espn plus didn't necessarily pick up the tap in i definitely thought it was keegan but um yeah you could definitely tell tell via that the social media yeah, the, in fact in the um in the stadium they announced jay keegan had scored mm-hmm. so you weren't the only one that didn't see it in, in full speed in real time but um but and it doesn't like really because like i said even if Derek didn't get a foot on it keegan it would have gone in you know keegan would have yeah. had it so uh keegan was all over it in any case so that's that's what he's there for yeah um so this uh you know one nil you get up early on in the match first 20 minutes yep um more good chances as you finish up the first half. Um, and then, as it seems to happen, the second half comes around. You're sitting on a one-goal lead. Mm-hmm. And you kind of start to sit back and get on your heels. And yeah. Start and they do it. How many, how many times have it – just think back. How many times have they scored that first goal right around that 20-minute mark? It's like – it, it seems it, like it happens every single time. It happens all the time. At least the last yeah. few, and then, and then after seventy minutes, there's been no substitutions. Mm-hmm. They're uh, they're getting gassed a little bit, and they're getting a little complacent, and they're starting to 
it seems like they're starting to sit back, whether that's a tactical decision that we're going to, we're going to try to protect this one goal lead. And so we're going to sit back and we're going to park the bus. Or is it just like the other opponents starting to figure them out or, and, or are they running out of gas a little bit, but that's been the pattern. Uh, and then, you know, this time in the 79th. So basically the last 10 minutes, which is always when it happens. Um, they give away this just ridiculously horrible goal that like you 14 teams don't give up. I mean, they've, they've made some mistakes late in matches to give up equalizers, uh, you know, right. in the past this season, but this, this, this was a whole new level. This was bad. Like, um, they'll, they'll make like a tactical mistake. Like uh, mm-hmm. the second one against Toronto, like the wrong guy went to the wing and didn't cover somebody in the middle, you know, that kind of thing. But this was just, uh, Cyrus Rad tries to play a back pass to the to Fabrino and the goalkeeper, and just was really lackadaisical about it, you know. And for some reason, and somehow popped the ball up into the air rather than rolling it on the ground. I'm sure that was accidental, but it was still it was so sloppy. And Phil got nothing to, nothing to do but to play it off his chest, uh, which you can't really control very well, and it falls right to the feet. Uh, of of Lachlan McLean, who just hammers it with one touch into the goal, and I think I put that about seventy percent on Cyrus Rad. I mean, because that was just a terrible back pass. Uh, but maybe thirty percent on Brino because he he might have been been able to control it a little bit softer, at least so it would fall straight down rather than bounce out toward McLean or as or try to was like Brino outside the box when he was receiving the pass. No, so he could have just wrangled it up. You can't pick it. You know, you can't pick up a back pass. Oh no, 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 not a back pass. You're right. My bad. My fault. Yes. I mean, no, no, no you're it, correct. Given given the result, <laughs> if he picks it up, it's an indirect free kick within the box, which yeah. is you know we've seen those. The <laughs> that's like that's like the one thing on everybody's being. You almost take that over what happened. To be honest, right? Like, I know. Well, if you see you see Lachlan McLean standing right there, like. Just grab it and take the indirect kick and like set up a defense at least, and not, rather than yeah. an open goal. Uh, yeah. But still, but he also could have like if he tr- turned his body slightly, he could have like steered it away from McLean. But that's putting a lot on him when he's like really, really surprised to see that ball coming where it is. <laughs> like this yeah. is not what's supposed to be happening right now. What do I do? Um, and uh, it just it's just an unfortunate like you know I, I coached U ten girls and we do this all the time. Like on Sunday we had a goal kick that little kid, little kid can't kick the ball very far. So it goes right to an offensive player and she scores, you know, like that, that's what happens in the little kid soccer. That's not what happens in professional soccer no. usually. So it should, it's it should frustrating. happen in professional soccer. No, but alas, here we are one, one. Yeah. And then, I mean, you talk about being gassed. I mean, there was, there was no well, semblance of an attempt to try to push forward because right. there just wasn't the energy to do so. Right, that's the thing. Once you give up that goal, you could try to spark something, and, and you got you know 10, 15 minutes. So there was four minutes of stoppage, so you had 14 minutes to try to get a winner. And there was just, like you said, it was, there were really no significant chances after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it had a lot to do with heavy legs. And, uh, you know, uh, Carl brought in Josiah Trimingham for Jake Keegan uh, because he thought he would, you know, the the – the bigger body would give us a better chance on set pieces. That was what Carl told me. That was the thinking there. Um, but then, of course, then Connor Tobin gets uh, cramps and has to come out. So yeah. they bring on Noah Fusan for him and put 
Josiah Trimingham back at center back. And that was the extent of the substitutions. Mm-hmm. And Car- I asked Carl about that, and he said, I don't like change for the sake of change. Uh, and, and I have a, you know, the, the guys they have on the bench are there because other guys are injured or whatever. But like at some point you gotta, I, I feel like, and again, I'm, I mean, who am I? Carl's the professional manager. Right. But, but it feels to me like, how about a change for the sake of, if you don't want, you don't make a change just because it's time to make a change. How about a change to, in order to preserve your lead or to try to get another goal when you can clearly see that your midfielders are. Or have a step behind. I mean, you know, and what, if you're one of those guys too, who's you know, a reserve sitting on the bench, I mean, right. continuously not called upon, what does that do for your own morale and your own right. sense of worth on the team? Right? Like it almost feels Look, like almost feels like there's a there's a lack of lack of trust maybe there. Yeah, I mean, you've got to hold down the four and try to get another one. Right, and who they had on the bench? They had Justin Suko, Gustavo Fernandez. Um, uh, no, Fusan was on the bench and didn't come in until the 85th minute. Or that might have been even in Sabre's time when he came in. Um, so you've got legitimate scoring threats sitting there not doing anything. And meanwhile, Christian Enriquez, Jesus Perez, um, you know, all these guys in Derek Ebhardt are, are putting in tremendous work and just don't have the gas to push forward to get that winner. Like you don't, you, in a certain time, you don't want to take a guy like Derek Gebhardt out, but yeah. after 80 minutes, like, you know, get some fresh legs. Cause you know, you're, you know, the triumph, the Greenville defense is tired too. put some fresh legs at him. You know, yeah, I, I think you know, it's, that's just, it's frustrating. I look at the style that this team plays it seems like this is a team that should be outscoring teams right be winning four two three two three one four three like that to me when i look at the way this ford madison team is equipped those are the types of score lines i would expect to maybe see from this team but you're right in the latter portions of the match they're just they're they're gassed they're exhausted um and I think as opposed to sitting back and absorbing pressure, Madison would be, I think, better off. And again, kind of same to what you said. I'm not, I haven't played a single second of organized soccer in my life, Carl. So this is a very, (laughs) very novice opinion. I mean, novice is, is giving me credit, but when I look at the way Ford Madison set up, it's like, this is a team that instead of parking the bus, when they're up, they should be going and trying to get another, they should be going and trying to get a second, a third, uh, maybe a fourth in, in some cases. <laughs> you like, think like that's that's to me the with the with the weapons this team has and how kind of stacked they are in the midfield and the attack mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's all it's unacceptable to keep putting one goal up on the board well and it's acceptable to keep putting your uh defenders in that position where you know your defenders are with only three right now first of all except when they, they did change shape toward the end after the second half uh, to have four in the back, but still, you know, your defenders uh, have a habit of making some tiny little mistake in the, after the 80th minute. So make that, make that mistake, not fatal. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, if, you know, at the 80th minute, the defenders can make one mistake and it's okay. You're still going to win that match. Mm-hmm. Um, what Carl, this is something interesting though. 
um, that that it's always that in because they've had eleven draws, right? That leads the league. Obviously, that's an incredible stat in and of itself. That's the thing. Like we're this is we're we're really frustrated about this team that's only lost four games. They played twenty one games and only lost four. But (laughs) but eleven of twenty one. Oh my god! More than half of their games have been draws. But and in eight of those, I think this is right. Eight of those, they scored first. They did not. They weren't coming from behind to earn draws in a way that's good. They're they're giving away leads to settle for draws most of the time. Uh, and in several, at least four that I can think of, maybe five. It's um, and this is what Carl's point was too: is that it's been a mistake by an individual, and sometimes that individual has been the referee. Yeah, we've seen that a couple of times. This one was not a refereeing issue. This one was a, I don't know, some weird mental slash physical error from that back pass. But it's been there have been other instances where it's been a, just a an error uh, by you know last week it was Filbrino slipped on the turf, you know. Um, but it's been always late, and it's always been one person making one relatively minor issue that the opponent has been able to jump on, and it's um, but. And I asked him, how do you fix that? How do you deal with that? And he's like, I don't know, because you cannot, you can't replicate the last 10 minutes of a game in practice. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just set up a drill and be like, okay, guys, it's the 80th minute now. You know, it's just, you can't replicate the way your body feels at that time, the way your mental acuity is at that time. You know, you can't replicate the crowd noise and stuff like that. So it's just, so since you can't, train for that last to, to do a better job in that last 10 minutes, maybe try to get one more goal in the first 80. <laughs> maybe that's, maybe that's the solution here. I don't know. You see the teams at the top, Omaha, Chattanooga. It's like when I watch them play, it's like, once they get one, it's almost that, that hunger to get another, like, like raises, like they're seething mm-hmm. to get another. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. Yep. Like we have to go get another, and then after we get another, we have to go get another. Like it's just like that that continued um, push, that continued hunger to just keep stacking goals. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to see that from this team. Like there's no reason why that can't be this team. But no, no reason at all. But that doesn't seem to be there right now. Whether that's tactical, whether that's that's coming on the field, like I, I don't know. I would I would feel so much better honestly if it was a scenario where you're up one nil you're pushing to get another you get caught on a counter and and you give one you give up an equalizer like that to me is understandable if you're pushing to try to end the game Mm -hmm. because getting a second goal i mean if if madison gets a second goal in in half of these games they have another 12 15 points i know (laughs) that's that's just incredible to think about um but it just it just hasn't happened and maybe they're due or maybe it's it's an actual internal issue that needs to be figured out it's just it's it's groundhog day man it is yeah it seems like we're just watching the same match over and over again i know yeah watch this yep and so now it's maddening you're eighth in the table we can talk about yeah. points per game. We can talk about well, they're only a few points back of here. You're eighth, and if you're for Madison. 
and we'll talk about the next what's coming up this next month and a little, a little bit later. But uh, these, this next month, you're going to make up those games in hand. Like we've been talking about, it's okay. They've got they've got games in hand. By the end of October, they don't have games in hand. You know, they like they're going to be making it up. Yeah, um, you got what three? If you get three points in those three games, you're essentially giving back your games in hand. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, but they're in eighth with North Texas winning on Sunday. They fell from seventh to eighth. Uh, they're still only three points out of fourth. So that's the crazy thing about this league is still really bunched up. Um, and but also we you know I talk about points per game. They actually fell to sixth there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. You know, it's getting to be crush time. It's got to happen now. And you've got five games on the road now. Uh, we've got to try to find some points. You, you have to. You have to. If you find a way to get three points in a few of these home matches as opposed to one. Yeah. You're coming out with the mentality like, let's, let's you know, get results. Let's, let's grab a point in these road matches. Let's average a point in these road matches and get back home and, yeah. and see where we are. Yep, you gotta you gotta get some wins here. Yep, you if you if we if if those if these like if three or four of these draws at home had been wins, we'd be in a position of defending third place. Yeah, you know, just you know what I mean, rather than trying to climb and and make a run for it at the end here, which is, uh, you know, I guess it's exciting. We're <laughs> We're gonna try to make a push it's here. It's exciting. It's not ideal, but it's exciting. No, but sure it we're trying to, to talk about. I mean, we're trying to. Try, if you want to try to spin it right, it was very exciting when in 2019 when they had to win at Lansing to make the playoffs, and they did. And JC Banks scored that massive goal. Uh, that was very exciting. Um, we'd rather not. Uh, like my nerves and my blood pressure and my fingernails just can't do that again. Yeah, you you don't want to push the drama <laughs> to a point where right. it's unnecessary, but here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and a cool side note here, though, um, uh, attendance was bet was was better. Yeah, it was like five hundred more, thirty two hundred. So still not quite at the five thousand that we were seeing uh, in two thousand nineteen, but um, but but much better and a lot in a lot of energy. The the flock end was rocking more than usual, even. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that was really nice to see. Yeah, you had some probably had a lot of Badger fans drinking their sorrows away on Saturday <laughs> evening. Yep. Who maybe weren't able to make it out when they originally planned. That's totally understandable. Yep. Um, but also another another kind of uh, cool thing that happened is Jake Keegan and Carlos Gomez got their 2020 uh, championship rings. Um, yeah, because they were obviously played. They played for Greenville in 2020. Uh, Greenville, although they didn't play the championship match they yeah. um they they earn they earn the championship rings so that's mm-hmm. pretty cool um they were yeah. able to get those and nice nice little ceremony uh yep. on the field quite so they 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 uh they earned it and it's just it, uh, this is good a good i don't know i like those things because it's a good you know good camaraderie around the league yeah see. absolutely absolutely all right let's go around the league here um, much more tame this week after straight <laughs> chaos last week. Yeah, there's um, three three draws and two two draws. And now week. we get nobody putting a crooked number on the board, Rob. And the entire yeah. league this weekend, nobody scored more than one goal. Isn't that That's crazy? Wild. Yeah. Uh, in in its own right, uh, Richmond won Toronto nil. Uh, Rob, you want to take us through what yeah. happened here? Sure, sure. Mainly out of Tuzagi. Uh, with a big header on off of a corner to win it in the 93rd minute. You want to talk about 
late heroics again. Two games here. Uh, this uh, Richmond um, getting that win at home over Toronto, uh, which was just outrageous. And then the same thing happened in uh, New England, or rather in Chattanooga, New England. Uh, Chattanooga, by the way, is starting to pull away at, is at the top of the table here, but they suffer a setback against New England. Yeah, big win um, for the Reds. Huge win for the Revs too. Uh, Sebastian Capazucci comes in uh, as a sub and then gets two yellow cards in the course of two minutes. So in the 78th wow. and 79th minute, he gets two yellow cards. So he's off. And so the Red Wolves had to play for the past the last 11 minutes plus stoppage with only 10 men. And in the 96, this was a wild one. Watch this video if you can. Justin Rendix is back defending a corner. Right, so there. So at this point, New England is trying to preserve a zero-zero draw. They're defending a corner. Justin Rennick springs out of the box and runs the length of the field, and puts a curler uh, in the net to score it to win in the ninety-sixth minute. It was just bonkers. Wow, incredible! Um, yeah, a lot of drama in, uh, yeah. in League One this weekend. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Omaha dropping points too, losing at home to Tucson. Yeah, um, top of the table, uh, unable to muster uh, muster any goals this weekend. Yeah, uh, yeah. Charlie Dennis uh, for Tucson converts the penalty in the seventh minute early on, and then uh, Viader Omaha from Viader, uh, uh, sorry Viader from Omaha, actually had a penalty late in the eighty second minute and hit the post. Uh, so uh, it ends up one nil to Tucson, and then finally on Sunday, as I mentioned, North Texas was just pummeling. North Carolina's goalkeeper, Nicholas Holiday, who, by the way, is 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was making all the saves uh, and until uh, Nicky Hernandez came and scored a screamer just before halftime. Uh, and North Carolina couldn't muster any response. So North Texas wins that one. Also, 1-0. I'm interested to see, you know, next year, maybe even 2023, what happens with this North Carolina club, with the sort of the youth they're injecting. Because obviously yeah. it's not necessarily paying off from this season, but you know, I don't think necessarily they think they've been playing for this season for a while. Um, no, well, so they've had they've had a long term plan for hmm. six years. You know, since 2016, yeah. they've been when they rebranded from the Railhawks to the NCFC, and uh, so I think you're right. I think they're they're looking forward. I, I think uh, I don't know if they keep these players. I mean, I don't know if you get. I don't know if Nicholas Holiday stays in this league for very long, frankly, uh, yeah. but. But I think you're 100 percent right, and, and but 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 you know that kind of kid could be the kind of transfer that brings in enough money <laughs> to yeah. really make a difference on a club like North Carolina, where you can take convert whatever your transfer fee is for him to two or three other players that are really great. So I think um, North Carolina will be one to watch in a couple of years for sure. And that could set a really positive precedent for a league, sure. league one. I Absolutely, mean, that mm-hmm. that sort of potential financial injection into a club and into the league you know that's yeah. that's something that i think a lot of teams may look at and, and say okay how do we how do we replicate it yep. um all right so let's talk about what's coming up we kind of touched on this five straight away games yep two rescheduled against uh omaha and richmond uh-huh. uh friday you're at new england up in foxborough uh on the on the uh the football painted pitch Yes, I did. It was wild. It was well. Everybody, I saw everybody on Twitter complaining about it uh, that the revs that the rev senior team had to play on that. Um, 
with the football ends. And I was like, did you guys watch Ford Madison last year? The, at Hart Park, it was not only football. I think there was lacrosse lines on oh, there. There's all the lines. There's like a basketball court. All the lines. There. It was crazy. There's lines on lines there at Hart yeah. Park. But, yeah, it's still, though, I think 2021, if you're an MLS team, I think it's time. I think it's time oh, yeah. to move away yeah. from the from the shared shared space. <laughs> but if you're going to share a space, you need some sort of assurance that you're not going to be playing on football lines. That's for sure. But yes. Anyways. Um, so that's where Madison will be, and again, I'm sure uh, Mingo Faithful will be getting uh, will be getting really bad uh, deja vu from playing at Hart Park last season, but yep. it is what it is. Um, Wednesday at Richmond, the following Wednesday, I mean, and then mm-hmm. the following Tuesday, you're back at New England. Uh, then Saturday back at Richmond. So you, again, you had a lot of these road games coming, right? Because there's yep. been a lot of Bree Stevens Field uh, for forward Madison. Uh, in over this first, I mean, over the first four months of the season. Yeah. Uh, so all those road matches that you sort of avoided are coming back here and you need the points. Unfortunately, you're in a position where you need the points. Uh, yep. You're not back at home here until October 23rd. So we will, we will see then where this Mingo's team uh, stands. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about this when you come back, you come back to play Tucson on October 23rd, and then you have Chattanooga in here on October 30th. So, it's possible that, that by then Chattanooga will have everything wrapped up and not have much to play for or something like that. I don't know. You guys hope for that. But when you come back on the 23rd, you could either be on a really hot streak and be you know fighting for third or fourth, or it could be all over and, <laughs> yeah. and you're, and you're out of it and you're in 10th place. Like that's yeah. the, what the next month looks like. Now, the other interesting thing about this is because these are rescheduled games, there's this weird, goes friday wednesday then the following tuesday so you got a weekend off in there that nobody else has that weekend off so you would hope that you'd be able to um i don't know exploit that a little bit (laughs) maybe the second time you see new england they might have they might be a little tired uh but then you've got kind of a a saturday wednesday saturday thing at the end of the month so Mm -hmm. it's gonna be this is gonna be the decisive period here i think yeah, it, it most definitely will be for better or worse. Yep. All right, shout out time. Um, I'm gonna go first because I told you I we, we were talking about this off the air. I told you I was gonna surprise you, Rob. So yeah. close your eyes, cover your eyes. Right. Um, my, my first shout out is to, and I already alluded to them, the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, <laughs> they lost, uh, I think, forty-one to fourteen to Notre Dame. 41 13. Um, shout out yeah. to them, though, for making Ford Madison's draw the second worst sports happening to a Madison. <laughs> it didn't take the cake, which is it good. Did, it, it, did, uh, it, took the, it takes the edge off a little bit. At least we're not the Badgers. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. All right. My first shout out is to Louis Bennett and uh, a sub shout out to listener uh, Aaron Eisenring for bringing this to our, to our attention on Twitter. Uh, Louis Bennett, former Mingo. Now plays for Chicago House AC, uh, and he scored on Friday the first ever home goal for Chicago House at SeatGeek Stadium, and oh boy, was it a screamer! It was from distance, yeah. it was back across the grain, it was claimed off the inside of the post and in, uh, one of those that goes off the inside of one post and all the way across to the other side netting, uh, mm-hmm. just a real banger, uh, definitely goal of the week material if it was USL. Uh, that ended up being a one-one draw with Michigan Stars, but um, but talk about a, a way to open your account with Chicago House. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, that's that's really cool to see. And Chicago House a new team. Um, mm-hmm. Unlike Madison, though, they seem to have been struggling to get some you know solid support um, out for those matches. Yeah. It's going to be um, tough in a in a MLS city to have a yeah. Nisa team to draw, mm-hmm. but they're making a go of it. And then you got Peter Will, you know, running the thing, so you know it's probably going to go okay. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how that progresses. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely keep, be keeping a close eye on that. Um, my second shout out is kind of my second and third shout out in one. Um, okay. just because I'm not, I wasn't really sure who else to shout out to be honest. Uh, Jake Keegan and Derek Ebhard for their part in the Mingo goal, but also their part in, in their possibly affecting the Ford Madison attack all season. Um, yeah. obviously Keegan, the team's leading goal scorer. Um, Gebhard has been a very, very welcome uh, addition as well. Uh, pleasant surprise there with his quality and play so far. Um, so shout outs to them. Um, Keegan, I thought Keegan got the goal. Turns out it ended up being a tap in for Gebhard, but either way, yeah. very well built um, sequence that we already discussed. But yeah, man, shout out to them. Yeah, I love it. And, and Jake had a couple other really good chances. And, and I don't know that any either of those guys has had a really off night yet. You know, uh, neither, I mean, Jake probably doesn't have as many goals to his credit as we maybe expected he might, but he's been involved in so many and he's just been so. He's been so dangerous. Uh, he's been just a, such a good addition to this club. Um, all right, so I'll do my second and third, which are different. The my second is for the Milwaukee Brewers. My Milwaukee Brewers, uh, like I tell people, soccer is my sort of sport of choice. But baseball is right behind, mm-hmm. uh, especially Milwaukee Brewers, uh, who clinched the division on Sunday. Uh, hey, they I did it hey. at home. Let's not forget, though. Let's not lose sight of my, my Cardinals. 16 in a row. Rob, sixteen in a row. I know, and it was the it was the Cardinals who allowed the Brewers to uh, clinch at home by beating the Cubs. Because had the Cubs beat the Cardinals, uh, the Brewers would have clinched the division before their game was even over. Ah. So, <laughs> so by by coming back to beat the Cubs, that allowed the Brewers to do it themselves. See, there you go. But see that that's what we do. We we implore other people. We we enable <laughs> other people to. to yeah. Follow and accomplish their own destiny. So, That's so are you as as a Cardinals fan? Are you like, where was this in July? Yeah, there. <laughs> I'm, I'm just happy it's happening either way. To be honest, yeah. um, it's it's been wild how they've been playing lately. Yeah, they've been playing really, really well. I just think a lot of things are falling into place at the right time. They, they brought in. This is going to be baseball talk with Jeremy and Rob, but uh, they brought <laughs> in a lot of veteran pitchers at the deadline, which I wasn't a big fan of because I thought they were kind of out of it. And I thought they should be trying yeah. to inject the youth and think about the future. But I mean, it's worked. John Lester has been like fantastic over yeah. this last month for the Cardinals. Yep. So uh, yeah, that'll be interesting coming down the stretch. But anyways, and, and pitching wins in the playoffs. It does. Uh, and my final shout out goes to Jim O'Hare. You mentioned him. Uh, if you watch Parks and Recreation, you knew Jim O'Hare as Jerry and then Gary and then Larry and I think maybe Terry at the end. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the funniest characters ever on television. He was there for Parks and Rec night to signing autographs with the club build it as six to eight. Like you come an hour early, get your autograph and he would be there till eight, basically to like halftime or so. When I left at 9.30, he was still going, and there was still a long line. Wow. Uh, so, <laughs> huge shout-out to him for, for I don't know, you know, this he wouldn't have to do that. He could have just got up and left at 8 o'clock. I'm sure he wasn't getting paid extra, but uh, but really cool of him to, to do that and, and do that for the Madison fans. I was about to ask. Maybe he's getting paid per autograph. Who knows? <laughs> I suppose, maybe. He'll play there all night if he has to. 
Uh, but yeah, no, I I love that show, Parks and Rec. Oh yeah, it's um, great. When I, you know, when I got my first apartment, uh, moving out of my parents' house after college, uh-huh. um, you know, I was I was alone a lot more than I had been in the past. I was living by myself. <laughs> and I was like, what am I going to do with all this time on my hands? So that's when I really started like binge watching shows was after mm. I got my own place. And Parks and Rec was like one of the first and just one of the oh, one of the greatest shows on TV. I tell you what, have, that's so well done. We have binged it probably four times beginning to end. The most rewatchable show too. Like totally, if, yeah. if me and my fiance are scrolling through like, oh, we don't know what to watch. Oh, we'll just throw on Parks and Rec. <laughs> <laughs> like that yep. is it's such a rewatchable show and like every episode no matter what episode you watch is like there's something that's like oh yeah I, that's that episode yeah i remember mm-hmm. that one it's just oh, yep. it's fantastic it's great all right um rob we will finish up here with the full mingo fun facts it looks like this is a long one here in the notes so strap in yeah. everyone this is uh this is one of my favorites greenville was our opponent on saturday People will remember, a lot of people never forget, that they were also the opponent in the first ever home game for Fort Madison. On April 27, 2019, it was called the Snowpener because the uh, the kickoff was delayed by half hour because of the snow. We had to mm-hmm. <coughs> we had to um, plow the field, and it was a 0-0 draw because it was just a mess. But here's the fun part. Six players who played in that match Played in this match on Saturday. Wow. Uh, Eric Leonard from Madison played in that first match and again on Saturday. Connor Tobin, obviously, was the other one for Madison. Then for Greenville, uh, for Greenville, Tyler Pollock, Evan Lee, and Aaron Walker all played for Greenville that first night and again on Saturday. And finally, Jake Keegan played for Greenville in that first snowpener and then, play, of course, played for Madison last night. Now, Don Smart played for Greenville on Saturday. But he did not play in that home opener because I had forgotten. But when I saw it, when I had forgotten this, but when I looked and thought, why wasn't Don Smart playing that? Because he had picked up a red card the week before. Mm. Uh, He got two late yellow cards, uh, one a stoppage time yellow card for basically for arguing with the ref. So (laughs) he had to miss the home opener uh, and did not play in that first game. But anyway, I I just think that's just kind of cosmic that you had the game on the, the, the unforgettable game. In 2019, and you got six guys still going at it uh, back here in Madison on, on in 2021. Yeah, that's really really cool to see that you know consistency and especially mm-hmm. a guy like uh, you know it's kind of cool to have a guy like Jay Keegan who was like yeah he was for Greenville then now he's now he's with Madison. Um, yeah, it's it's cool to see you know again that consistency within the league mm-hmm. uh, and the improvement on all these players too. I mean you know where these players stand with their clubs now is a little bit different than 2019, but yeah. Um, just really, really cool. Awesome. And, 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 and these teams still quite evenly matched, obviously. You know? Very evenly matched. Uh, so. Draws on draws. Maybe maybe one of these days. <laughs> one of these days we'll get, a, we'll get a winner. But anyways, all right, Rob. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, everybody, Thanks, for listening to Talk and Flock. Um, if you're listening on Tuesday morning, I'm actually currently in Vegas. So uh, we're recording on Sunday night. Um, hope you enjoyed the podcast. We will be back uh, same time, same place next week. Um, and we'll we'll have a lot to discuss for better or worse, Rob. I hope so. All right. See you, Rob. Have a good one. See you. And joining the show today, uh, we're going to give you a little behind the scenes of what you watch on ESPN Plus every weekend.
Uh, joining us today is uh, USL League One and other soccer leagues. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. But commentator, play-by-play analyst. I don't know. You tell me your, <laughs> your title. Josh Eastern joins us today. Thank you so much for being here, Josh. Thank you for having me on pretty much all of the above, especially in a League <laughs> One game. It's 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 just me, so you can call me whatever you, you want, I guess. All right. All right. Announcer, commentator, PBP guy. Uh, so uh, we just want to give us first, just kind of give us a glimpse of, of behind the scenes here. I think some folks know, but some many probably don't that you guys are, you're, you're shockingly not at Bree Stevens field. We are uh, not, not at Bree Stevens field. So tell us where you are <laughs> and what you're looking at and how, how the, how the game night process works. Yeah. So as, as much as I'd love to be at Bree Stevens field, I, I did go <laughs> for one game all the way back in 2019 when they played Wisconsin, I drove up from Bloomington where I went to school, but now I'm located down here in, in Fort, Fort Lauderdale area. We have a studio in Dania Beach, um, and we do all of our games out of there all, all year long. So if you're watching a U.S. on ESPN game, whether that be in the championship uh, in, in League One, all of the games are done out of Florida, at least that, that we produce. So if you hear some similar voices all around League One, it's all down here in Florida. That's where all of League One is produced. And how, how I kind of describe it is, what whatever you're seeing on on your screen on whether it be ESPN Plus or YouTube internationally, that's all we're seeing as well. So we're kind of so so I kind of go through my head and say if I see it on the screen, I'll call it. If I don't, I'll kind of lay out, let kind of the the pictures tell the story for a moment, and then we'll kind of figure out those those details. But uh, it definitely took some time to to get used to. But um, I've done it for now three years, and I've uh-huh. I've kind of immersed myself in it. So uh, USL League One, you can just got the two cameras. You got some. Is somebody in Florida switching those cameras and like directing? Yes. Yeah, so so okay. we have we have a producer, replay op, audio person, and they're all in in the production room. And okay. I got to say, the the replay operator I think does a great job. All of our replay operators because they can make a two camera show look like a little bit more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I give a lot of credit to uh, those guys and gals. Uh, yeah, it's outstanding. Now, um, but you're looking at just literally the same thing we are. Uh, my, this is a dumb question, but my biggest thing, if I were trying to do that, I would, I would stumble over who's who on the field. Like, cause some of them, like, so especially some of the, uh, camera angles, like at North Texas, where you're 80,000 feet in the air, the camera's like way up <laughs> at the top of the stadium. How do you even yeah. tell like, Oh, that's, that's, that's not the audio. That's, uh, Connor Tobin. Yeah. I, do you, are you just um, really on top of it? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I I look for, for numbers as much as I can, but especially when we're like, like you said, at at North Texas or or other venues where there's kind of weird camera angles. Mm -hmm. um, I, I look for other kind of details, whether it be like at Bree Stevens field, Christian Diaz with his hair color or somebody's (laughs) boot or just like simple little things like that to kind of put in my head. But it's it's hardest when somebody scores a goal and it's say it's like a set piece and there's every player in the box. You have no idea. <laughs> so you kind of have to wait until you, you see who are they going to celebrate with. And that's when I'll kind of get a cue and say, okay, that was Jake Keegan or, or whoever it, it, yeah. it may be. Some of it's easy. Some of it though, you got to wait and, and kind of let the pictures tell you. Yeah. <laughs> that would be really annoying. Uh but the but the fact is you you don't have like some sort of enhanced vision of it. You're just watching what we are and you're calling it. Um, now, what about preparation? You you talk to coaches during the week leading up. 
Yeah. So usually, and our, our producer, uh, who kind of runs our, our league one productions, Ryan Rose, he does a great job setting up calls with every coach every week. The coaches are super generous with their time. Um, I actually, when, when Ford Madison was, was down here in, in South Florida, we got to go out and watch a training session, which I, which I thought was great. We got to meet, uh, some of the players talked with, with Carl Craig, Neil, Neil Lavity is, is, is a great character as well. Um, so, so that was cool just to kind of be able to shake somebody's hand. Cause we're, we're down here, I guess, kind of isolated away from the rest of the league. So it's cool to kind of have that, that interaction, uh, on a, on, on a weekly basis, talking with these coaches. Now, uh, how long has this been, uh, has this operation been going in Florida? I mean, this is obviously league one's only three years, but were you doing championship mm-hmm. games before that? No. So actually I graduated college in 2019, came right down here. Okay and started working in May. Yeah. But, but Vista world link, which is the, the company has been going on for, for quite some time. They kind of came in uh, on the ground level of the USL when it was created, I guess in the last decade or so, it has kind of been, been growing and it's kind of grown into this, this, I guess you can call it a small beast now with, with league one <laughs> championship NWSL CONCACAF. So it's basically the hub of American soccer is kind of, I like to think about it. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, do you think, I'm just thinking about uh, if lower league soccer has existed for ages, obviously in the United States, mm-hmm. um, but it seems to me that it's really taken hold now, at least in part because first of all, social media is a thing now that it wasn't, you know, 15, 20 years ago. So you got mm-hmm. Ford Madison, obviously is like this kind of known for that and cultivating connections with fans around the world. But also now you have this, this enhanced capability to put it on TV, which is maybe not necessarily a, uh, revenue, direct revenue for the clubs, but I think it has to raise the profile of the clubs and of the sport to be on. You don't have to find some random website to watch them. It's right there on your ESPN app, which is its own you know, streaming television and the ability to stream all those games down to Florida and, and to do this. I mean, is, do you get that sense that, that, that what you're doing is basically helping lower level soccer uh, thrive in this country? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think it's great, especially for like international viewers. Like I think a few years ago, there's a, there's a Ford Madison supporter from, from France or Switzerland somewhere in, in Europe that came over to a game, but they would have no way of watching Ford Madison in Madison, Wisconsin. If I could go and ask 10 Europeans, I don't think they could point out Wisconsin on a map. So just to be able to, to have that sort of connection and to be able to grow this game and, and even, it's even with players trying to move on to, to different levels of you can now have coaches tune into ESPN plus watch a game, whether it be a championship coach, a coach from, from Europe, anywhere else, they can watch these players and, mm. and talking with coaches. It's they, they watch these games as well. Cause, cause they want to know more about the league. So just being able to grow the sport, however possible, especially at the local level. Cause I think that's, that's kind of the, the true grassroots of the sport in this country. Um, so tell you say you, you you came straight out of college down in Florida started calling soccer games. Uh, what's your background? Did you study broadcasting? Or are you a soccer guy? That or, you know how how did that come about? Yeah, so I I studied broadcasting at at Indiana University. Um, go Hoosiers! Uh, <laughs> um, but I originally grew up in Seattle, so I grew up kind of a big Sounders fan when when they came into to MLS. Uh, that was a big deal for the city and I kind of caught on there, but I wasn't necessarily the biggest soccer guy. I grew up playing baseball. Um, 
but once I got into college, um, it was big for me because I was able to cover the Indiana soccer program. And when I was in college, they went to two college cups. I got to go to both of those. They were really good. So I covered the team from when I got there as a freshman. That was actually my first ever broadcast was Indiana versus Rutgers men's soccer. Um, so so kind of to be able to to cover Indiana through those four years kind of catapulted me in the, into the soccer realm and coming out of college. I, I would have done any sport. Soccer kind of fell into my arms and I've, I've loved it absolutely uh, since. Um, now, do you feel like, I mean, USL League One is in some ways a developmental league, right? Where you're taking young players and getting them ready to go on to the next level. Uh, we have also remarked on this podcast, which I'm sure you know, because I'm sure you've listened to every episode, um, that, <laughs> uh, that, that the, the broadcast has noticeably improved over the three years. Like your, your analysis, your play-by-play has just gotten better and more professional over those three years. Do you feel like this kind of lower-level league is also a development for you guys and, and, and taking your next step and in, in going on to, to whatever you're going to be doing next? Yeah, 100%. When like I, I listened back to my first game that I did actually was at Bree Stevens Field, Tormenta versus Madison. I listen to that just even open to the broadcast. I almost cringe. I'm like, that is <laughs> that is just not something I want to listen to anymore. Um, but absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's um, as as much as we, we don't want to think of it maybe as a developmental league because these are professionals. They are trying to make a living. They're yeah. super competitive. Um, it at, at the grassroots, I guess that's that's kind of what this is. And even for it can be for broadcasters, it can be for coaches, it can be for referees. I mean, all across the board, that's kind of what these local soccer teams can kind of be in local soccer leagues around the country. Um, but I mean, just being able to be in it at the ground level of this league and see it grow into what it is today and what it will be kind of moving forward with with new teams coming in the league has been one of the coolest things. Because every time I, I, I do a League One game, I kind of feel like I, I have this sense of comfort that I've I've been with this league for, for all three years and, and I know it inside and out. Yeah. I mean, you do get to, you do get to know the players and who's, and, and I, you can probably tell, like, go back to the question about which players, which, I mean, you can tell, like you said, by the hair color, but also just by the, yeah. by the way they move and the way they play, I suppose, once you watch them right mm-hmm. now, and closely enough. So going back to the actual, you know, production of the match, you're doing, you're doing it by yourself a lot of times, which is, uh, gotta be difficult, right? Like you just don't get a chance to stop talking for two hours. Yeah, pretty much. Like I think it was Bob Costus who said, if, if you can broadcast a baseball game solo, that's like the hardest thing to do in, in, in broadcasting you can make it in this business. I, I agree with that. But I also <laughs> say, if you can do one of, one of these games by yourself, um, it's, it's, I mean, it's kind of just something you, you learn over time. you, you try to talk with the coaches, especially so you get that sort of information you can bring into the broadcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully you, you get something exciting too. There's, there's a lot of games that have finished nil nil and it's just like, all right, like you just try to try to make it work. But other games like this past weekend, when I made that, that video of kind of looking behind the scenes on my Twitter, I thought it was so cool because the Greenville Tucson game was three, three North Texas, mm-hmm. Omaha, was 2-2. The game I was doing was 2-2 and a great game between Tormenta and Fort Lauderdale. Romeo Beckham was making his debut. So, I mean, that's kind of the excitement that this 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 league can bring on a nightly basis. And uh, we just hope for for more nights kind of like that. Is it hard to, to be in a booth by yourself 
and a goal is scored and you got to be super excited about it. I mean, are you, are you genuinely excited about it or is it, you got to like push yourself a little bit? No, I I'm honestly gen, genuinely excited about it. The only hard part, and this is why I love doing games with an atmosphere. So like, especially games at Madison is when there's no crowd that really is a challenge for me as a broadcaster. Cause I like to feed off of the energy in the stadium. Um, I always like to get my, my gnat sounds kind of boosted up in my, in, in my ears, just so I can kind of feel like I'm at least there a little bit. I, I put my, my headset on, and I kind of try to immerse myself in, in being in that sort of environment. But so last year with, with no fans in, in most places doing a game at Gillette stadium and that massive, massive yeah. uh, stadium with, with just a handful of people there, it's, it's a little bit difficult to kind of bring that energy, but um, I think that's kind of can, what can separate some some broadcasters as well as can you bring that energy when the energy maybe in the venue isn't quite there that's really fascinating that the energy in the venue is important to you even when you're not in the venue because you can Mm -hmm. you feel it even from yeah oh yeah Hmm. oh yeah Uh, yeah do you guys get to do you get to fight over which games you want to do uh not not usually uh that that falls on our executive producer who who schedules them all out so uh i'd like to think i've 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 been fortunate that when i came in i got to do ford madison games right from the get-go um and it's just kind of there's so many things going on now that we we kind of get sprinkled in in all different types of leagues but uh, every time i do a madison game it's it's definitely one that that i definitely look look forward to and just for the for the Bruce Stevens atmosphere, or for what is it about Madison that you enjoy? Um, it's a lot about the atmosphere, but I also know the fans. They absolutely care about this team. I mean, you you see all the supporters groups. They're so invested in this team, and it being a a kind of community team. You see players going out in the community. They're they're at jersey reveals. They're they're doing all these cool things. Um, so I think being able to kind of connect with those fans as well and being the voice for this team for, I guess, kind of first two years of, of my broadcasting career, it's kind, of, it's kind of gone down a little bit this year, but I've, I've done a handful of games for, for Ford Madison this year. I think just being able to, to kind of be that voice for the fans is, is, is pretty cool. It is. And you heard it here, folks. We talked last week about trying to make sure that our attendance stays up at Bree Stevens. Um, and uh, you hear it here that that your being in the stadium actually helps the broadcasters make a better broadcast. Hundred percent. Aren't in the hundred uh, percent in the stadium. Josh Eastern, uh, really appreciate your time today. Uh, have a great weekend. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me.